Hi, it's Chao Wen. I wanted to let you know that now we have a dedicated website for the podcast. It's straightforward, just theconductorspodcast.com. Check it out because now you can search among all the episodes or find topics based on the tags or groupings. And there are a lot of great extra resources that I put out there. Take a look and enjoy today's episode. Hi there, welcome back to the Conductor's Podcast, and this is your host, Chao Wenting. I'm so thrilled to welcome my ca- my guest today, Karen, because she has a lot of great things that she's going to share with my audience. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for being here, Karen. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I love all the things that you're doing, and um, I'm just excited for this new season of, of the podcast. Great. So I asked this question to all of my guests. Um, before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you get to where you are right now? Yeah, um, I feel like that's like the most overwhelming question ever. So I'll try and be brief. If I miss anything, um, let me know. Um, so basically, I'm a serial entrepreneur, um, which means I have a couple different companies in a couple different industries. Um, I'm a musician by trade. Um, I'm a classical saxophonist, um, which I feel like, ooh, because you have all these like fancy conductors on your podcast. Um, and I uh, started off, I went to Interlochen for high school. Um, I'm a, actually a first generation Latina. Um, so I was privileged enough to go there for high school, um, played clarinet and saxophone, did the woodwind thing. And then I went to Boston Conservatory for college, did my undergrad there. Um, And then that's kind of where my career started. Um, The scene there is just amazing, but also incredibly competitive. Um, But what I really enjoyed was just being able to gain experience like right off the gate um, in my undergrad. So I was doing um, stage hand work and I was learning about marketing and development and nonprofits. I was working for an orchestra um, and then However, this happened at age 21, I ended up running my own orchestra. Um, so I had this you know, $500,000 orchestra. I was running board meetings. I was trying to figure out the nonprofit world. Um, and we had a small chamber orchestra that did like five concerts a year. And um, we were hiring the soloist from the Boston Symphony. And this was right at the time where um, Instagram was a thing in like 2012. And, and marketing and social media was like really starting to take off. And I was struggling to connect with these musicians that were down the street from us. Um, I was struggling to find good photos. I was struggling to find websites with these people that, you know, had reached the pinnacle of success. Um, So that just really got me thinking about like what was really missing in our industry. Um, I also had such a privileged education. And when I graduated, I literally had no idea how to make a career in music. I didn't know what contracts were, what taxes were. what to charge for things, how to pursue things, um, especially because I discovered very late in my education that if I wanted to be in an orchestra, there was only so much bolero or pictures that we would play. So it would have to be like definitely administrative. So um, at the same time, I got my gig with the Boston Symphony. I did ticket sales, subscriptions, um, helped them with their marketing a little bit as well. Um, and then just, you know, got to meet all these musicians. And, and from there, decided to build my own company, um, work for myself and figure out a way to just kind of bridge that gap between the classical musician space and how to effectively and sustainably help them market themselves in a way that felt good, not gross, and um, was relevant to the work that they were doing. So we've been doing that for almost 10 years this year. 
This is so exciting, and I can imagine you at that young age that you were already exploring a lot of the entrepreneurship ideas that was not really popular back then. I think、um, yes, ten years ago we still had this training from the conservatory. Okay, you just need to win a great job, and then、mm-hmm. and then that's it. <laughs> you get a we win one big audition, and that's it. You would have all the success that you were looking for. Yep, that apparently was not the case. Um, I wanted to come back to this a little bit later, but I wanted to talk about the serial entrepreneurship that you have,、um, because I know you went into a lot of different businesses and you have a、mm-hmm. an empire of different things. <laughs> Do you want to briefly talk about what you have like,、um, tried, what worked, and what are you still keeping doing? Yeah, of course. Um, so music always my passion, and and that's my baby, and that's my my agency. So it's it's named after me now after ten years, and it still feels weird. The Karen Kibitas Agency.、Um, we have a podcast called the Musicians Guide that we've been doing for almost five years now.、Uh, we have an emerging artist program and workshops that we do. And our I would say my area of expertise is finding the right market, the right customer for the right market, and and helping that through.、Um, A more holistic approach, which I know the word holistic is really annoying, especially in the music industry. But、uh, I'm certified in emotional intelligence. I am a life coach, and recently in the Enneagram. So I really do take the whole person into consideration and figure out what is going to be the best way to market for them, what's going to be sustainable, and and what do they actually need in a world where social media is all about followers and likes, and people feel this pressure to just show up and and play the game without realizing what they're actually getting in return. That just really made me think、um, in the last. Three four years, like where else could I be having an impact besides the music space?、Um, and also, I wanted to prove to myself: could I do this outside of music, or was this just exclusive to me being in the music industry, having paid my dues, and, and having done this for a long time? And、um, at the same time, I've had other.、Um, as an immigrant, my parents are entrepreneurs, and I've seen them do all sorts of things.、Um, so I've had other backgrounds in retail and in just different industries that weren't music and. I really hadn't shared about that until relatively recently,、um, because there's so much shame in our industry around like if you are a musician, you only do music. And it's like no, actually, all these other normal jobs have really helped me、um, build a successful career in music, and、um, that kind of led me to build a, a business called Fempire to Inspire, which is for women and, and female identifying、um, in business. And there's a, a particular niche in our in the world、um, that made was made really popular in 2012 with the boss babe culture. And it was very toxic, super gross.、Um, now looking in hindsight, and very like gatekeepy. It was also very much run by white women.、Um, and being a woman of color, I wanted to create something that just answered people's questions. Like, if you have a question about like, do you need an LLC or an S corp? Like, let me answer that question for you instead of like buy this insane course and like learn how I did it. And it just felt very like MLMy and. Which multi-level marketing, very、um, direct salesy. So I just wanted something that was just more、um, no bullshit, basically.、Um, and then that was really successful.、Um, we've been around for almost three years now, and、um, I found that all the education and all the the lessons that I had learned in my music company allowed the second company to scale really fast、um, in a shorter amount of time. So that was also just like a really nice reminder of like. You, it's about the process, and you know, the the better you are at certain things,、um, the faster it is to build others. So it wasn't like this drawn out thing、um, that I thought it would be. So that was also just a nice thing. And then, most recently,、um, through that Fempire company, I started working with a lot of female real estate agents, and、um, 
through our marketing and social media and coaching, um, some of these women were doubling and tripling their income. And I was like, oh, we must be onto something. Like, what is this? So of course we do a good old case study and try and figure out like what happened. Um, obviously it wasn't us, it was very much them, but there was a way that we were doing things that was working. So started doing some research and um, there's also an entire market of real estate professionals that don't really know how to market themselves. Um, it's one of those industries that you either do it or you half do it. And most recently, there's a lot of musicians actually that are in real estate. So that's been like a really pleasant surprise. Um, so anyway, that's my my third company and, and it's a luxury brand where we ba I've basically compiled all the knowledge I've had from the last 10 years with like what people actually need and given the target market and given like who I'm talking to, I can package it in a way where they get everything they need in 12 months. Um, and it's at a, in a high ticket space. Um, so that's been really fun to explore and navigate. Um, it's pushed me financially to embrace, you know, what it's like to charge more and, and to be comfortable in a space where I know nothing. Like I don't even own property yet. Um, so it's been like a lot of fun to just see um, from an outsider's perspective how to make that message clear because I think all of us can relate to when you're so in it you don't really know how to share sometimes and it just feels really overwhelming so um, that's been the serial entrepreneur side of it. Thank you so much for sharing this because I wanted to ask this question because a lot of musicians as you say it kind of shame each other or when we are shy talking about side business or side hustles while so many of us actually do it and i just thought instead of you know i'm not saying um doing a barista like at starbucks is a is a bad thing i think like, being close to something you love if you love coffee that's wonderful yeah. but if you have a side business that is able to connect and integrate with your other knowledge and to expand your business is a great way of looking at this. So you talk so much about marketing and this might be a dumb question, but a lot of the musicians don't even think about marketing themselves because all we learned, all we grew up to was you just practice. You just become right. a better musician. You just learn this drill. You learn that attitude. You, um, when you go online, you look for different, like 10,000 different videos of the same piece that you'll be performing because you want to learn it well. Yeah. Why is marketing so important for musicians? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I always like to define it with branding and marketing. So contrary to popular belief, for marketing, you don't have to become somebody. You don't have to create a persona. You don't have to create an image. Uh, in my work, I define brand as you, who you are, what you do. So what you know about me, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I live in Nashville. I play saxophone. I went to Interlochen. That is my brand. And marketing is how I share who I am. So I'm not changing anything. And I think that there's uh, a lot of education in the realm of musicians embracing who they are and similarly to what you just said about that side thing where it's like how you make your money is nobody's business and how you live your life is you know however you want to live your life so i think like with boundaries figuring out how to share the things that you want people to know makes marketing super crucial i also feel that from an emerging artist capacity something that we've figured out in the last 10 years is we're moving away from a world where, you know, like the boomers did such a great job of um, working in the same place for a long time. And they had that institution to back them up. In the last 10 years, we haven't really needed that. And I found that social media just really, or marketing in general, gives you that opportunity to 
establish yourself as an expert, to show that you have the experience, to not just need to have an entry-level position. Because a lot of these entry-level positions, especially when when I graduated, you know, it was like right after the recession, it was crazy town. Um, these entry-level positions needed five to 10 years of experience. And it's like, well, I would have been in elementary school. Like, when was I going to do that? So, you know, it just really made me think like if marketing can help us move that further along um, and allow us to really share our story, share what we're passionate about. And also marketing allows you to diversify your portfolio. You don't just have to do the one thing, or if you are backed by an institution and that's what you want, that's great. But the marketing allows you to control your narrative around like, what do you want people to see you as? What do you want people to hire you for? A great example of this is any instrumentalist who also happens to be a composer. If we're only seeing you as an instrumentalist, we don't know that we can commission you. So all of that is is part of the marketing plow. So coming back a little bit about branding, because I know a lot of the musicians were forced into looking at branding during COVID, because suddenly yeah. nobody had gigs, everybody was home, and you had you suddenly were competing with the entire world. Maybe like mm-hmm. for me, I live in Atlanta. I used to only have to like, compete with local musicians, but now everybody has access to Berlin Field, to the Met Opera. Everybody was home. Um, why are they choosing Met Opera? free show over your local community orchestra, for example. Um, that became a struggle that was really real for a lot of the musicians. So a lot of the um, a lot of the lessons or the online courses when they talk about branding, they emphasize on finding your niche. And that's what I heard a lot of friends struggle with. They are like, okay, I'm just a beginner musician. I'm just starting my career. I don't have a niche. I'm just a good musician. Um, how do you, what do you tell those people? Like, or how do you help them find their niche? Or maybe even to you, niche is not important because you're just you. Yeah. So I feel like that's a great question. Um, the, the main part is figuring out who do you want to serve? and making sure that you are serving the people that are there. So if we look at it from a following perspective, people are always thinking about getting to 10,000 likes or getting to X amount of likes and who, what do I need to create to get more people? And the way that I encourage marketing is more of like, who's already there and who do you enjoy serving? Serve those people and they will bring you the other people to help grow and, and reach whatever goals you have. Um, I think it is more than having a niche. It's important to know who you're talking to. So if you are a musician in higher education, are you using your platform for recruiting students? Are you using it to promote diversity? Are you using it for new music? Like, what are you using this for? And that's actually what allows you to get more specific, more so than thinking about like who or what am I doing that's unique or special or different? Um, Because I I think we typically can convolute the word niche with like special or unique. And and that's also not the case um, in my experience. So when we talked about marketing, I think it's really important to know which market you're in. Um, Because you're marketing, as you said, you're talking to someone and most musicians um, we have gigs and we have, we, most of us teach to a certain degree, but either you run a, a private studio or you teach at a university or you occasionally give master classes. you pass down the wisdom um, from time to time. I think that's most musicians too. So 
when you were talking about um like kind of really defining your market, how how do you help your clients or help musicians think when they're say when they're posting on Instagram, they we have very little control who is saying that, right? So mm -hmm. um how do you really grow a market or like grow a community um while a lot of people are driven to get more followers and like look at more numbers and people yeah. clicking likes. Yeah, absolutely. So this might sound dramatic, but I, I do think that it merits talking about the psychology of social media because there's a lot of research on how to effectively and scientifically do some of this stuff. And I think that as musicians, it's so easy for us to assume that everybody sees everything. So an example of that is, you know, if you have, let's say, 800 followers and you post something and you get 50 likes, you can't assume that 750 people saw your post and only 50 decided to like it. What that tells me is that the algorithm is only populating your stuff to some people and therefore you're getting that degree of engagement. So my, my first point in this is the psychology of social media is about repetition and recall. So not only repeating your information over and over, but giving your audience an opportunity to recall who is posting this information. So it's not so much about um, targeting or, or talking to the right people, but it's about sharing what you want people to see in more than one occasion. Um, a great example of this is when somebody's promoting an album or they have a project that's coming out, they feel bad sharing the same graphic or the same photo or the same thing um, because they think it has to be different. And I'm a huge fan of give art. We need at least 90 separate occasions to see something to be able to retain it. So give us the opportunity to see it, to get excited about it um, and to remember that it's you. So if you're wanting to focus on like your, your example on, on getting gigs or, or being a contractor, have or talking to contractors, have your content be geared towards that, but also more importantly, have a plan for who do you want to talk to and what is going to make that effective. So if you want someone again to hire you for a gig, then we need to hear your playing. We need to know about your process. We need to know what you look like. Like a lot of us take that for granted um, and you can go onto somebody's feed or somebody's Instagram and you just have no idea what they actually look like. They might be in photos with a bunch of people. It might be graphics. It might be all of that. Um, so just make sure that you're reintroducing yourself and that you're not sharing the same context same day or same week, but over time so that we can remember this. Um, the same thing with like playing videos, um, recitals, anything that you've shared that's either professionally recorded or that you're really proud of. Give us an opportunity to see that a few different times so that we can remember that it's you. And the point of marketing is not so much about just displaying a portfolio or just showing how awesome you are. It's staying in the forefront of people's minds. Um, and I'll share a personal example that happened to me this weekend. Um, so in my company, in our agency, we do web design, photography, you know, all the things. And I, I've been working with this one client for two, three years. Um, I've been working with her husband um, probably the same amount of time. Um, her husband's one of my high profile musicians. And um, I have happened to build his website and do a lot of his marketing. And we have partnered together for a long time. Um, and I think for me and the agency, we've been posting a lot about photography. We've been posting a lot about education, the Patreon, the podcast. And I've just neglected a little bit, like the amount of websites we do. We do about four to five websites per month. So it's a pretty big part of our um, portfolio. And I saw on Facebook, and I also had a lot of my clients and friends send me screenshots of her asking if anybody knows a good developer. 
or a Squarespace person. And I was like, oh my gosh. And of course it wasn't malicious. And of course I'm sure she just didn't think of me, but that was such a great example. Even as someone, as a marketer who I know this stuff, I teach this stuff. I try and stay in the forefront of people's minds through my dogs, through things that are more relatable than even just my work itself for one of my own clients who gets my newsletter, who I talk to every month to forget that I do this. Um, was just such a good reminder of like, we need to have that humility to continue to remind people what it is that we do. We need to have clarity on what it is that we do. And we need to share the things that we want to be doing so that people are thinking of us because it's never personal. It's not usually a skill thing. I would argue it's not even a personality thing. It's just people, if they don't think of you, if you're not one of the first two or three people that they're thinking of, it's probably not going to happen. And I think that social media also has given us that chance to to kind of fight with people that like, ooh, they don't deserve that or they're not as good as me or whatever. And it's like, it's not about that anymore. It's about who are you thinking about and how are you connected? Um, so that that would be my tale, like to just make sure that whatever you want to do, that people know that that is what you do and that you remind us over and over and over that that is what you want to be doing. That is really funny. and But I have to say sometimes because you know that person through one channel for so long you forgot this person might have also done some other things like your example you've you've done so many websites but i happen only to know that because um kalina bovell is a good friend and i know Mm -hmm. that you developed her website so you were in my mind from the very beginning when i contacted you it's like okay i know that she did good photos and got this and i i talked to my friends who worked with you um i wanted to talk about coaching in a in uh, another split second, but I you just mentioned you remind people with more things that are relatable, like you like your image and your dog and other things. And I wanted to come back to like this branding thing because you say it's just about you. So also you mentioned about boundary. So for people who are just new to this idea of marketing themselves or like kind of showing the entire world what you're doing can you give a few tips of like where they can start yeah for sure so first let's talk about boundaries so i like to define it as a line you draw in the sand for your own self-preservation it's not casting judgment on anybody else but it's what you need to be okay and i think that because a lot of the research with social media and with ai and all of this is so emotions driven Um, We can't pretend that getting a like or a follow or recognition doesn't have a physiological effect and a chemical one in our brain. So I think just really understanding what feels good to you and what you're comfortable doing and then going forth and having a strategy is paramount because that's going to make it sustainable. Um, This is absolutely a marathon and not a sprint and consistency trumps anything in most spaces, but especially in the marketing space, Um, even more so than aesthetic, even more so than expertise. It's just that consistency that's going to help you. Um, So I think once we figure out our boundaries, then um, we, I like to call them content buckets or themes. You figure out what are the themes of your life that you wish to share that either make up what you're doing, who you are as a musician, but then also add value to that and make you memorable. Um, So a content theme idea could be education. If you want to share education tips, it could be um, career stuff. So performance things, Um, it could be dogs, it could be interests, hobbies. So you kind of pick a couple of different themes. Um, I would start with two or three, just so you're not overwhelmed. And then you just kind of create a rotation of some of these themes. Um, So for me in the beginning, when I first started, um, I was privileged enough to work with folks in top five orchestras. 
So my themes were displaying my portfolio. So the clients that I was working with, um, educating folks, adding value. Um, so it could be tips on things I was learning. It could be my business hits or misses, which I talk a lot about, like not just talking about the good stuff, but also like this went really wrong and here's why. Um, and then just personal things. Um, so before I was married, before I had dogs, before I moved to Nashville, being in Boston, the commons, the food, the chocolate, the lobster, the, you know, whatever, um, I felt compelled to share. And that just allowed people to get to know me as a human. And I think that that's what we're missing. And, and the pandemic was a great example of this. These are social networks, not anti-social networks. So the thought of just going in, doing something and getting out is not really how they work in the long term. Of course, for mental health, yes, have your boundaries and do what you need to do. But if you really want to do the, the whole marketing thing, um, being there, interacting with other people, seeing what other people are doing, creating a community is really the way that you kind of get your name out there. Um, in the conducting space, a great example of this would be Yannick. Like, he's been one of those pioneers, not only just in the LGBTQ plus space, but also in the how you dress space and like showing up to, I worked with uh, Carol Yonch, the principal tuba of Philadelphia. So I got to see him early on in his career and, and I got to sit in rehearsals and it was like such a cool experience. And this man is just not only magnetic and incredibly brilliant at his craft, but he's also a normal person with like a t-shirt and normal shoes. And there was no thrills or fanfare. Um, another great example is Noceda. Um, you know, he got into his career way later, um, like it was in his fifties and he was just so chill and normal. And I think that that's really, if I could say lovingly in the conducting space, you know, what's missing as far as marketing is just like, give us some stuff that we can hold on to and not just your awesomeness. And I understand that, you know, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance and a lot of rules and it's very unspoken and, and I get that, but we want to remember the things that make us feel a certain way where we can connect as humans. And I look at my career and all the things that I've done and it's not really um, as relatable or as common. And, you know, we're all in a space where we're just creating careers that don't exist and kind of leading the charge on some of these things, but everybody can relate to a cute dog or to being a rescue person or, you know, to baking bread. Everybody got into that in the pandemic or how you do it, Chawan, with art. And like, that's just so cool to see these other interests that you have. Um, so I think it's just us getting comfortable with sharing a little bit more about ourselves and, and that then will make it sustainable, but also more importantly, memorable. Absolutely. There are always hundreds, if not thousands of conductors that you can hire. And a lot of times, of course, there are a lot of other things, you know, sometimes your last name, your nationality, <laughs> how you look, how you um, play with the donors and all that. But but you also want to be rememberable. Um, yeah. You want to be someone um, that people would kind of recognize um, out of hundreds of applicants or uh, like a list of conductors. Mm -hmm. So that was the first half of my conversation with Karen Cubitus, who started her musical journey as a classical saxophone player. Now she's an agent, a real estate agent, and also a career coach and a lot of other things. I hope you enjoyed our conversation on marketing. And here recording with me today are some special guests. Hi, my name is Lisa, and I like eating food and reading and i like poking my sister and i also like watching tv okay bye hi this is lily i like playing tennis 
I do not like eating. My sister likes eating my food. And my sister loves poking me. I hope you enjoy it. Bye.